welcome to Upbringing. We're Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by Tradlands, high-quality, sustainably crafted essentials for women inspired by classic menswear. You and I tend to lean on those minimalist items that we can wear for forever, which explains the reason we love them. Founder Sadie Roberts believes that while spending time on how we look and feel is important, keeping things basic can free up our time and energy for other important things, Mm. our relationships, our businesses, our dreams. Another big draw for us is that Tradlands is produced ethically using recycled, high-quality materials. Visit tradlands.com and enter code UPBRINGING15 for 15% off your purchase. Now on to our feature. Our feature today is Start With Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action. It was written by Simon Sinek, published in 2011, and it's a global bestseller. Simon's TED Talk on why is the third most watched of all time, and his work teaches leaders and organizations how to inspire people. Uh, But Kel, the kids might be in search of their own why as far as why (laughs) we read this and want to talk about it today. Uh, It's because, like the theme of these future episodes, it's all connected. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about this because I can't help look at this book on leadership and how to inspire whether you're the head of a company, the head of a sports team, the head of a school, the head of an organization, and not think about how those same skills can apply to us being essentially the head of our family. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's that's basically it. Well, I mean, and it, it, yeah. there's so much new research coming out about how those those typical patriarchal power structures are beginning to shift with all of this new this new knowledge and these new um, kind of Innovations, innovations in, and things. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is the exciting part of this book is he's exploring ways that it's happened already and how we're learning from those. Mm-hmm. And then you're wanting to apply this to our parenting. I am. Okay. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing Simon speak on a few podcasts last year. Oh, yeah. And I fell in love with, with everything he said and his British accent. Yeah, he's not hard on the eyes. No, he's either. not. Yeah. I'm really glad we stole this book from mom. Mom, we'll get it back to you soon. <laughs> um, how would you rate the cover, Cal? Uh... You know, it's it's got some shiny start with why words on it. It's red and white. It's not my favorite. I would I, give it a six. I'm it's, sure he gave it a lot of consideration. I'm sure. And it, it does the trick. So, okay. Yeah. Um, what's next? Uh, will you read the overview from the site? Just abridged version really quick for, for everyone listening so they kind of get the gist. Because we will be kind of like pulling out little random quotes and little ideas to kind of spin and expound on. And But and, if they want to read the whole book just right, to kind of get an overview. Just to overview. get the idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cynic starts with a fundamental question. Why are some people and organizations more innovative, more influential, and more profitable than others? Why do some command greater loyalty from customers and employees alike? People like MLK Jr., Steve Jobs, and the Wright brothers had little in common, but they all started with why. They realized that people won't truly buy into a product, a service, a movement, or an idea until they understand the why behind it. Start With Why shows that the leaders who've had the greatest influence in the world all think, act, and communicate the same way. And it's the opposite of what everyone else does. And it all starts with why. Mm. I'm excited. Are you ready to dive in? I am. Here we go. Start With Why. So Mm. there are so many interesting themes and kind of dichotomies that, that come up in this book that remind me so much of all the things we talk about in parenting and hold on I need to readjust here a little bit um for example intrinsic versus extrinsic like motivation or sure okay uh loyalty versus efficiency okay inspiration versus manipulation okay these are all very vague okay terms that's okay we're gonna we're gonna dive into them okay trust versus fear 
Long-term versus short-term is another one. Good versus evil. Oh, no, <laughs> no, that's also in there for sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to kind of talk about ways that this is, that all of these organizations that he's talking about and these leaders that he's talking about really can share a parallel experience with what we're going for and just kind of like bring that that these down into our homes. Mm-hmm. Um, think about our family as an organization or company. And with that, just sort of imagining like we're the leader, we're the CEO and all of these examples. Mm -hmm. When I think immediately of thinking of our family as an organization, I cringe because I think about all the, in the we news, don't want to do how that. <laughs> I do, organizations are fucking evil, and that is the last way I want to be running my family. Yeah. But he must be talking about a different type of organization and business. He is. Well, he's talking about he talks about successful organizations like Southwest Airlines or Apple Computers or things like that. But he okay. also talks about strong leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. or Bill Gates, uh, and just talks about basically the fact that they have a cause and a belief, which is. It will come to discuss an understanding of their why, which then is infused in all of the things they do, whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, are we going to be kind of going at this as questioning our why as a parent, or helping our kids to understand the why? Like, where's the where does the why apply in this scenario? I think it's sort of swirly. Like most of our things are sort of about us and our kids. Okay, but it's hard to kind of distinguish. It, it is, and, and and everything can be applied to both. Okay, so I think we're going to be talking about it in terms of um, us being, like I said, the CEO and us communicating a why to our children as below us sort mm-hmm. of in that in that kind of organizational well, so, structure in order to gain compliance to um promote loyalty, uh, loyalty and, all of those mm-hmm. things so it's us it, it's a structure of a, us asking and understanding our own why to then being able to promote that why to our kids for them to then be able to follow their own why basically okay it's a big old i chain. haven't read this you guys so kelty <laughs> yeah. is she briefed I me a little bit read and, it. but that's Let's the, be honest that's the idea behind these is that i haven't read it so i'm kind of listening like maybe you all are listening. And then Kelty is kind of leading us through some of her favorite points in the book. This is not an exhaustive um, analysis uh, or report. No. no. This is something that if you want to read the book, great. If you want to just get a couple little notes on our thoughts on it, great. It's entirely up to you. Yeah. I think mostly these these feature episodes are just about getting some interesting... <sighs> kind of approaches to to life, to thinking about work, to thinking about your family stuff, but also just opening your mind, broadening your your horizons a little bit. So Simon sort of leads in to the beginning by just talking about typical leaders versus those who lead. So he says, leaders hold power or influence. Those who lead inspire. So he just talked a little bit about the difference between those two. Mm. And one of the main differences was that we follow those who lead not because we have to, but because we want to. And also not for them, but for ourselves. Okay. So we're, if we want to translate this a little bit, we want our kids to follow us, not because they have to, but because they want to. And not just for us, but for themselves. Exactly. So you want, this is about becoming somebody who, those who parent and not parents, <laughs> right. kind of. Let's stop calling ourselves okay. parents and just say, I am one I am one of those who parent. I like that, though, that it kind of separates, you know, we talk about this, um, take our role, not ourselves seriously, mm-hmm. and that idea of separating what we do from who we are, and like, let's do this. Let's do this well. Let's do this right. And this isn't necessarily our identity. Yeah, you know? I like that. And I like just... It's something we talk about a lot, just trying to figure out how. How do we get get our kids to want to brush their teeth and not because we're telling them? How do we get them to want to clean up mm-hmm. and not have to remind them every time and tell them to do everything? And and he's basically saying that it comes from inspiring. Mm-hmm. How, how do we inspire instead of just wield fucking power? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, yeah, the opposite in my mind of inspire is control. Mm-hmm. Um and that's a, a pretty typical way that businesses are run, households are run. Mm-hmm. Uh, most institutions, you know, in our culture are Got run a, a through power. power structure set up. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. That seems like the responsible way to govern, the responsible way to run a business, the responsible way to run a household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited to better understand what else we can do um, besides kind of roll with it old school, so to speak. Yeah. 
he also kind of went into inspiration versus motivation and that the motivation element of it is usually tied to some external factor. So, so me, inspiration versus motivation, when we're trying to get our kids to do something, we can inspire them or we can motivate them. Right. Okay. Exactly. Um, so he talks about motivation and then in contrast that he says, great leaders in contrast are able to inspire people to act. Those who are able to inspire give people a sense of purpose or belonging that has little to do with any external incentive or benefit to be gained. Those who truly lead are able to create a following of people who act not because they were swayed, but because they were inspired. For those who are inspired, the motivation to act is deeply personal. Mm -hmm. They are less likely to be swayed by incentives. Those who are inspired are willing to pay a premium or endure inconvenience, even personal suffering. Those who are able to inspire will create a following of people, supporters, voters, customers, workers, children, children <laughs> who act for the good of the whole, not because they have to, but because they want to. Mm -hmm. I love that. And then there was one other little part on here. Oh, for those who have an open mind for new ideas, who seek to create long-lasting success, and who believe that your success requires the aid of others, I offer you a challenge. From now on, start with why. So that's kind of the beginning leading into it. Um, the first section basically talks about how when we're not asking why, we are assuming. We, mm -hmm. are, we have a lot of basic assumptions, just thinking about these as perceived truths, mm -hmm. essentially. And that's something that we talk about a lot too, like what is truth? What is real? What is fact? What is, how can we live fluidly while also getting shit done and making sense of the world? Um, and he talked about how the world was thought at first that it was flat and that ended up affecting all kinds of things like exploration and trade routes and spreading of ideas and advancement. Mm -hmm. And just the correction of that false assumption advanced the human race, mm -hmm. basically. Well, we talked about that in our last book feature, um, Big Magic, saying curiosity is what sets everybody free. And when we can, as parents or business owners or whatever, can look at things with curiosity and ask why rather than make an assumption or take information that's been passed down for generations or that's in our conventional wisdom and say, that's what we're doing. When we say mm -hmm. why instead, who knows what can happen? Who knows yeah. the people we can be? Who knows the kids that we can be raising? Right. Who knows the family we can be cultivating? Yeah, But it's our behavior is really <clears throat> actually affected mm -hmm. by these assumptions and perceived truths. Like we make decisions on based on what we think we know, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think asking why is, is the thing that's going to help us move beyond that and expand from that. And, you know, like we talked about in our last conversation with Gretchen, where we talked mm -hmm. so much about why, so much about values and North Star stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it helps us ask the challenges, are, are the, or helps us ask the questions that challenge our way of thinking, I think was what she said. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, uh, some of our earlier episodes were giving all of our listeners permission to not know everything, mm -hmm. which then gives them permission to give a shit and want to learn more. And I think that's kind of how I've been approaching this introduction is being like, let's just, it can't hurt to be curious, can't hurt to ask why, you know, mm -hmm. either our, you know, suspicions are confirmed and what we're using is works or whatever, or we find out something way better and can do better, maybe. Yeah, I like that. Well, the whole next section, he talks about just sort of our culture and how it's based on carrots and sticks. And this leads so mm -hmm. much into one of our hugest topics, which is control. Control, mm -hmm. right. Well, that's what these businesses are based on. That's what our institutions are based on is mm -hmm. a hierarchy of control. Exactly. I'm looking for a quote really wah, quick. Wah. Hold on. And that's what a lot of our homes are based on, too. That is our knee-jerk response. Mm-hmm. Don't get me started on this, Kel. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no. You, you should start reading. Okay. So he talks about manipulation versus inspiration mm. and that there are only two ways to influence human behavior. You can manipulate it or you can inspire it. Mm. And I think that kind of ties in with the extrinsic, intrinsic thing. Okay. So let's think of our toothbrushing example that we did in the, our empowerment episode this past week. Um, you can manipulate your child into brushing their teeth maybe with control, like using, using incentives right. or punishments um, consequences or consequences, or, um, or, or you, physically doing it to sure. them. That's a manipulation. Um, or you can inspire them to brush their teeth. And why mm -hmm. would we want to do that instead? 
Because like we talked about a lot, then there's, we're, be, we're working on the kind of underlying value and deeper understanding, the intrinsic motivation to do it, a sense of, of pleasure, of pride, of deeper understanding. Right. That's okay. what I just said. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Um, what else does Simon talk about? Oh, he talks about related to know, this. You know, related to this in the business sense, things like price dropping and promotions and fear tactics. Those are all ways that companies can manipulate us into buying their products, basically. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about how fear is the most powerful manipulation of all of them. And that when fear is employed, facts are incidental. Mm. Let me read a little, a little piece about that. When fear is employed, facts are incidental. Deeply seated in our biological drive to survive, that emotion cannot be quickly wiped away with facts and figures. This is how terrorism works. It's not the statistical probability that one could get hurt by a terrorist, but it's the fear that it might happen that cripples a population. I just think immediately about fear as in when our kids are scared or dysregulated or when they're scared of us, which happens sometimes when we lose it, sure. um, they're not learning anything. And I think that comes up against this this conventional wisdom idea that for our kids to learn and to, to get shit done, we have to scare them. We have to show them that they can't do that or that they need to do that. We need hands on hips. We need big, scary face. We need right. a loud and voice, booming voice. research now in organizational psychology and also child development is showing actually using those approaches and using fear to motivate is actually completely undermining it. They don't remember a single thing. They can't use that part of their brain. Facts aren't that don't matter because fear overrides facts. Yeah. You know, so they don't even understand what's going on, what they even did necessarily and what we're trying to convince them not to do or to do. Yeah. And know? back to the to the whole kind of breeding loyalty thing. Mm-hmm. Manipulations can lead to transactions that work like mm-hmm. getting the table cleaned or so, you know, they can be selling effective. a TV. They can be effective. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't breed loyalty. And he talked about how manipulations are can can also work whether it's a positive or more negative consequence one in more one-time things mm-hmm. so as opposed to repetitive things and he used the example of when someone like loses their kitten and they offer a reward to get it back so that that works because you don't need a lasting relationship with that person continued loyalty or right, exactly. continued skill you just want your cat back you know so he says that manipulations don't work towards building a loyal lasting relationship and he, I don't know, he uses American car industry, politics, like so many more examples. But just that another aspect of it, too, is that companies can't maintain the manipulations and offers, like when times were hard. Hmm. Okay, this is making me <clears throat> totally think of like our car snack situation. Oh, yeah. Where <clears throat> when the kids get <laughs> out of school, totally out of control. they are hangry. And I feel like we, well, we, we used spent, to just we spent so long being like no snacks in the car because it's with, such a zoo with, with four, four kids, kids in there. Yeah. It gets disgusting and people are spitting stuff and throwing stuff and mm-hmm. it's just wiping stuff. And then you find like a rotten apple core a week later mm-hmm. and it's just total bedlam. And we just will not live that way. But we kind of broke down once to kind of get everybody oh, we going. Got weak. We, yeah. And we and they can technically manage, you know, till then. But we now, couldn't manage. We couldn't manage that one time, and so we we offered a snack. We like pulled over somewhere and got a snack. And now I think it was almost to get them in the car. It might we used it as an incentive. Yeah. We did, and so then now they're like wanting a snack every time, and we're kind of like a slave to the control situation that we've set up. The manipulation, the manipulation is now controlling not just them but yeah. us. And <laughs> it's it just like he talked about companies being unable to maintain it. They've been upping the ante every time. They're no longer like string cheese. They're like that's gross. Well, and I imagine a, a company they're that's like, been doing price dropping, price dropping, price yeah. dropping, price dropping. They have to keep price dropping to get their employ the, to get their customers to yeah. want to buy. Well, what's an example of a one time thing that we've used it for, as opposed to like okay. the snack thing that we feel we need to maintain every day? So we so we don't want to do the snack thing every day because it can get out of control. Research shows that it actually undermines us as the leaders and them as the it's crazy making um but a one-time thing i could imagine when you were flying over christmas with Mm. wilder where you were like half an hour um you know into la and you needed to pull something out of your sleeve quick so one-time kind of incentive like yeah 
let's grab an ice cream cone on our way to the plane or whatever it is. Whatever you needed in that moment that we wouldn't you don't normally fly do. all the time. This yeah. isn't going to come up again. You needed some help and inspiration was beyond you. I think that's for something we reason. do though is when we do think about giving an incentive or a consequence type thing. We always question, is this going to come back and bite us in the ass somehow? Is this going to be a repeat thing and start setting up an expectation um, and be essentially a constant manipulation tactic to control Mm -hmm. that can then get out of control and, as I said, control us? Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes they do work, but Mm -hmm. it was interesting. Simon talks about how just because it works doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. And that's something we talk about a lot with, quote unquote, discipline that people yeah, use. That's very Alfie Cohn. Sure, yeah. because manipulations work. They've actually become the norm practiced by most companies and organizations, every parent, basically. Mm-hmm. And with every price drop promotion, fear-based or aspirational message and novelty, we used to... Oh, that we used to achieve with our goals, sorry, we find our companies, organizations, and systems getting weaker. And I think that's how we feel when, mm-hmm. we, when we've when we leaned on those things in the past, like mm-hmm. the snacks doing in the car. I feel like I am I'm, thought I was just going to do this to get by it, and now I feel weaker. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like we're weaker as a whole. I feel like weaker as a person. And now I'm against my kid with this thing, and yeah. I feel like totally out of control when I've been trying to do this to feel less out of control. Yeah, but yeah. it helps talking about things like this with someone yeah. and just trying to recognize those patterns that... Like the ding ding we have where we're like, something's weird. Something is wrong and off. Like we need to strategize our way out of this, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, but so what's the alternative? You and I talk about in our empowerment episodes, we say we believe in trust over control. We, we do not believe control is necessary all the time to get things done. Sometimes it is as a parent mm-hmm. because we're in charge. But most of the time, majority of the time, we can be trusting instead of controlling. And what does trust look like? We talk about our other four powers, trust, respect, connect, and innovate. Those are four other powers that we have that we can be employing as we govern our homes mm-hmm. and run our households that can have a lot of other uh, more beneficial outcomes than control does. Control is a is something we use a lot. Totally. But doesn't necessarily have to be. Yeah, so he he basically talks about how loyalty is generated by respect and kind of a we're in this together side by side vibe, which is mm-hmm. what we talk about in our kind of respect power. Yeah. Um he used Southwest Airlines as an example um because after 9/11 Hundreds of customers sent checks to Southwest just to show their support. And hmm. he talks about how, like, from the company or parent standpoint, having a loyal customer and employee base not only reduces costs, but provides a massive peace of mind. Hmm. Like loyal friends, you know your customers and employees will be there for you when you need them most. It's the feeling of we're in this together, shared between customer and company, voter and candidate, boss and employee, parent and child, he mm-hmm. didn't even say, um, that defines great leaders. And I think we, it's something that we've talked about too, where putting in that time for that side by side thing actually becomes more efficient, Mm -hmm. actually streamlines processes, actually gives everyone peace of mind. It's not just the right thing to do. You know, we talk about being the advocate and advocating in this respectful way for our families, not just because we should, as the parent, we had our children. So we should probably you know, respectfully advocate, but also because that is the only way to to parent side by side and to get shit done, mm-hmm. to to lower resistance, to build cooperation, to build skills, to build our bond. It starts with respect. Yeah. He says that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Mm. Yeah. And that when you're communicating from the inside out, why is offered as the reason to buy and what's serve as the tangible proof of that belief, like the reasons that we can point to or rationalize or explain the reason we're drawn mm. to like a company what? or person or product or whatever. Like if we if we just say to our child, like, put your shoes on because we're going to Oh, the park. I meant like a company. Oh. Um I don't know. I think Apple, he had a couple of really good examples about Apple mm-hmm. um, computers. He talks about Steve Jobs all the time in this book. Mm-hmm. No surprise there. But he talks about how a more traditional computer company would say something like, we make great computers. They're beautifully designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Do you want to buy one? And then... That sounds App, pretty good. That sounds yeah. pretty good, but yeah. that's more of the what. Mm-hmm. And then Apple com- actually communicates more of the why, where they say something like, 
everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo. We believe in thinking differently. The way we challenge the status quo is by making our products beautifully designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Hmm. So, And we also make great computers. Do you want to buy one? Yeah. So it's just, it's talking about, it's appealing to the, not just their why as the company, but as the the customers why right. also and, and this whole discussion here starts with this thing he came up with called the golden circle so picture three circles sort of like rings going inward like on a tree and the outer one is the what mm -hmm. the secondary to the inner is how and the center one is why and okay. so you we're just kind of thinking about how the what is the very <coughs> obvious it's the thing the how is how that how that's you know how that happens and the why is the nucleus is like the real value and okay. the inside. Yeah. So he refers to the golden circle a lot. Um, but he says that, you know, based on this Apple example, he was talking about how knowing your why is not the only way to be successful, but it is the only way to maintain a lasting success and have a greater blend of innovation and fl flexibility. Mm, okay. Yeah. So knowing our why and assuming that our kids somehow know the why isn't just a way to be, as we were talking about, effective or successful but it is the only way to maintain lasting success with our kids mm -hmm. <laughs> over time and have a greater blend of innovation and flexibility. Yeah, and That's their the, and their buy-in, he talks a little bit about that too, not just from the leadership standpoint, but about the, the, that side of it, mm. is not just an opinion, it's biology. And he talks about how we have this biological drive to belong and that it's one of the most basic human mm. needs. Um, there's a quote here, let me look for it really quick. Okay. Our need to belong is not rational but it is a constant that exists across all people and all cultures. It is a feeling we get when those around us share our values and beliefs. When we feel like we belong, we feel connected, and we feel safe. As humans, we crave the feeling and we seek it out. He talks about, which I've totally experienced before, that you can you know, not be friends with everyone in your hometown, but you fly to Europe and anyone from your state or country you meet, you're just BFF. Yeah, total BFF, <laughs> automatically drawn to. And... Just talking about that sense of, you know, commonality or common values and how strong it is and, and how that, that's one thing that leaders or those who lead really in mm -hmm. an, an inspirational way really cultivate. Well, they, they have an awareness and have put a value to that biological desire to belong yeah and how that's something we can work with in our families yeah it to, says no yeah. matter where we go we trust those with whom we are able to perceive common values and beliefs so how do we make that mutual sense of common value and belief well, with I our think, kids i think as parents it's really easy to be like well i have these values and beliefs and the way that they become common is that i tell you what they are yeah and i teach you I, my values right you conform i have a feeling that that's not what simon means no no obviously he he implies i'm you know reading through my parent lens that we have to work to create a commonality as opposed to just imposing our own values. Mm -hmm. And that's the the foundation of respect is saying we all belong. We are all humans. We all deserve a voice mm -hmm. and our right to disagree and to protect our bodies and express our feelings. And that meeting our kids and sharing those things with them as well is how we create that commonality and that safe, trusting place where shit can get taken care of. Totally. He says, we are drawn to leaders and organizations that are good at communicating what they believe. Their ability to make us feel we belong, to make us feel s special, safe, and not alone is part of what gives them the ability to inspire us. Those whom we consider great leaders all have an ability to draw us close and to command our loyalty. I want to do that. I, I want to do that. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, next, Simon took us into the brain a little bit and the way it works, and he held up his golden circle uh, sort of symbol next to it, which turned mm. out to be really similar. So imagining the what on the outside, like we talked about an outside circle and inside an inside circle, there's the why. So the brain works similarly with the neocortex, which is responsible for rational and analytical thought and language. That's the outer what the what. And the middle two sections comprise the limbic brain, which we, he thinks of as the why. And that's responsible for all of our feelings, as well as all of our human behavior and decision making. But it has no capacity for language, which is why putting our feelings into <laughs> words and our values mm. and our why is so fucking hard. Mm -hmm. Well, and I was just going to say, after we were both like, I want to do that, goals, uh -huh. I'm like, why is it so hard? Why? So thanks for explaining that to me. Yeah, but even now that we know it, we're still like, how? Yeah. But um, 
But yeah, he talks about how the most successful companies work this sort of inside out way to, mm. to make decisions. And that those decisions that started with the why, so with the emotional component of the mm -hmm. decision, and then the rational components allow the buyer to verbalize or rationalize the reasons for their decisions. So, for example, if mm -hmm. I told my daughter, like, you need to get your shoes on, it's time to go to the park, or get your shoes on, um, that's just giving her the what. Mm -hmm. That's just saying, this needs to happen. And that can lead to some resistance that, usually, we, right? We get some backfire when sure. we talk like that. Sure. Versus something like, I'm so excited to get to the park, aren't you? Are you going to do the slider swing first? Let's get those shoes on. You know, and you're appealing to the why, to her why, to your so why. So that she can say, I put my shoes on because we want to go to the park and do all this fun stuff. Mm -hmm. This reminds me, though, of what Gretchen Jones, um, our second conversation was about, where she talks about the heart comes first. Mm -hmm. That idea that it things, it seems, I feel like in our culture, it's like, oh, the heart is, will lead you astray. The heart doesn't know what's going on or what's real. We need to think this through first. So this sounds very backwards to our conventional wisdom of heart over head. Head, yeah, yeah. mind. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And just explain how it's like subconscious versus conscious too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I don't know. What do you mean by that? Oh, it's just can't remember. the what is very obvious. That's mm -hmm. the very conscious. Yeah. And the why is the more subconscious and the heart. Mm -hmm. The heart and the why are more subconscious and the what and, and the head are the, or the mind are the more conscious. Well, and what we're trying to do as parents, as people, as business owners, as anything, is to bring those subconscious whys to more a more conscious state so that we can understand our whys and align, as you and I always talk about, our dreams and our aspirations with our day to day, because we all have a why we're, we're living it somehow, but we're still not quite connected to it. And our day to days don't always match up and feel as integrated as I think they could. He talks about how so many companies talk about winning hearts and minds. Mm. And he says, this is what we mean when we talk about winning hearts and minds. The heart represents the limbic feeling part of the brain, and the mind is the rational language center. Most companies are quite adept at winning minds. All that requires is a comparison of all the features and benefits. So that's just mm -hmm. proving to our kids. You, like, you need to do this because put on your coat because it's raining outside. Yeah. It's raining and you're going to get cold and blah, blah, blah. Or put your yeah. shoes on even sort of connect mm -hmm. to what we said okay. so we can go play at the park. Right. Like that's a very but a superficial know, behavioral, rational. like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of if we're talking conscious and unconscious, superficial and deep, mm -hmm. it's behavioral versus needs. Mm -hmm. It's what instead of why. Right. So And it's winning hearts and minds. So yeah. winning hearts, however, takes more work. It's a mm. lot more work. <laughs> Given the evidence of the natural order of decision-making, I can't help but wonder if the order of the expression hearts and minds is a coincidence. Why does no one set out to win minds and hearts? Mm. But I thought that was interesting. But appealing to our kid's heart, speaking from our heart, is what we should yeah, be leading with. But I mean, with, this whole book about is so much to me about figuring out our own why. And then also just in our interactions with our kids, not just saying, can I tell you why? Which is something we say mm -hmm. so much to our kids we to do. the point that they're saying it back to us now. I need to go do this. Can I tell you why? I need mm -hmm. another cookie. Can and I I'm tell like, you something tell me. right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, oh shit, I lost my train of thought. What, that if you want to inspire, you have to know yourself too, not just what your kid wants, but what no, you but want. No, but also I think what I was going to say was just that that we want to be figuring out ways to interact with our kids to get things done, but also in a, in a nuanced, contextual way. Mm -hmm. That's really what the why is all about, is making the time to think about it and to convey, like we talked about through this whole mm -hmm. respect power, more than you think you need to. That, that they deserve more of a big picture, that, that it behooves you to explain more of the picture mm -hmm. for cooperation, and that, they, that their experience, their brain, their heart can be enriched by that information. Right. I think, but I think that requires that we have a belief in our kids as being receptive and able to understand what we tell them. I think Even a lot of people yeah, don't believe that you can talk to babies and that they eventually will, they will learn to understand you much faster than if you're like, they don't speak, so I won't speak to them. I think it's a really natural thing to do, but oh, sure. the more we explain, and I'm not talking about over explaining, but mm -hmm. I am saying building context, explaining those things. This reminds me of the neuropsych tests that I used to do. Mm -hmm. um, one of the questions was like, why this is a judgment, kind of like prefrontal cortex executive functioning well, explain test. Explain really quick why you were giving these tests. Nobody needs to know why. Well, it it sounds like a, you were undergoing was, a neuropsych test. Oh, no, no, test. I was administering. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I, I was administering one in the lab, the research lab that I worked in. Um, and we were studying impulsivity and um, a bunch of cool brain stuff, but that doesn't matter. But one of the Sounds questions super was, technical. why can't you leave your kid, your uh, baby in the bathtub? And we just asked them to explain. And so many people literally were like, because it's against the law. And that they, really? didn't, they didn't say any more than that. Or they would say, because they could drown. Um, but like, that was all. And then some people would say, if you leave a baby in the bathtub, there's a chance that they could slip or maybe drown or do something else. And they would complete the, the entire picture the, the picture and build out the context to the why. That's literally, true. We, instead we, of cutting to the end. It's like, it's like asking know? our kids or a question like would, that where they say, because I'll get in trouble. Right. Or they would say, right. because it's dangerous. That was it. That's all they would say. And I, I think so much about the how we respond to our kids as saying, they're like, why can't I do that? Because our kids are so fucking magical that they ha- have they come out of the womb asking why. They are the most curious mm-hmm. and pure why ask, you know, it's why so inspiring They are why, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so they ask us all the time. And I think it's so easy for us to just be like, because I said so. Or, or like you because said, because it's, dangerous. it's dangerous. Because it's against the law. Because it's cold outside. Right. Or just cut to the chase for them. And meanwhile, they're like, well, what? Like, I still don't understand that. That didn't answer the why for me. Mm-hmm. And I really think that so much of testing behaviors that our kids do is because they need the why and we're not giving it to them. Mm -hmm. They need to understand better what happens when they pull a leaf off of a plant or pull a plant over. But that requires us knowing. It requires the leader of the organization Mm -hmm. needing to be able to clearly articulate their why Mm-hmm. So that then they wanting, can have an expectation for their employees or in so this for example, case, our kids to to comply. So for example, you're wanting to touch the leaf of this plant. It's so soft and rubbery, isn't it? Oh my gosh. You know what? It's really sensitive. Leaves can come apart really easily. Look, it's already coming apart a little bit. I think that as parents, we are like, oh my God, we're encouraging it by digging into the why and leaning into their why. Exploring but it with What them. we're doing is... When we explore it, we exhaust it, and then they can move on to something else. Yeah, you know. But like I said, it takes you getting clear on, mm-hmm. and, and with this with so many things, which plants am I okay with them touching? Mm-hmm. Can they actually tear that one, or can they tear the plants that are outside? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? But that's just part not of, just not this plant. And that's but that's part of respect is having the conviction and your own why of saying this is what I'm okay with, this is not what I'm okay with. Therefore, I can easily explain to my kid why it's bugging the crap out of me or why it's unsafe right? or why well, I remember this happening to me when my daughter was maybe like two and I was insisting that she put a coat on because I think it was like 30 degrees out yeah. and her hair was a little she wet. She runs hot though. She, Both of my kids run super hot. They're yeah. like little fireballs. But I, I, we were starting to go head to head on her putting the coat on and it was one of those ding ding moments where I realized I didn't have my why for it because she asked me. Mm-hmm. She said why, and I was I was like, you could catch your cold. Like, like, like I said it like great, our grading at Dora uh-huh. said, you could catch your death. Yeah. And then I was like, what the fuck does that mean? That's not true. And then I was like, is that really true? Yeah. So I called my mom and was like, mom, will will my daughter get sick if she goes outside in the cold without a coat on? I'm gonna Google that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I Googled it and. And no, I, I brought the coat out with us and she put it on 30 seconds later. End of story. Never fighting mm-hmm. about a coat again. But I think too, so I think asking our own why so that we've got that straight and can then be presenting in an authentic leadership kind of capacity for our kids is important. Mm-hmm. But also thinking about the time that you take talking to your kid about the plant instead of just saying, no, get away from We there. don't touch plants. That, that takes more time and more effort. And that is mm-hmm. the last step of respect, which is acknowledging that to respect our children or respect our employees, it does take an investment. It does take more time to explain things, to discuss does, things, yeah. to explore things. That is respectful. But Simon seems know? to think it pays off. Okay, That's continue. basically what this book is about, is saying, take the time to ask the why. Take the time to communicate that why and share that why and that belief, because that will become a cause that people want to fucking buy into. Okay, And that's how I feel like it is with our kids, too. Do you want to talk about any of this part? No. Okay. So he also said a couple things that really reminded me of our connect power. Okay. Something so, else to do besides control or manipulate mm-hmm. or be a leader. Yeah. He he used um, Southwest Airlines 
Apparently, they're like the best airline of all time, which I, I didn't really realize. Southwest, but you mean the most su- successful airline yeah, of all time? Totally. Okay. So he talks about how knowing your why sets you up to figure out the perfect how. For example, Southwest Airlines. So this was maybe in the 50s when they came out, and they knew their why so well, which was that they were the champion for the common man. So ba- basically, then in the 50s, flying was maybe this was more like 60s, early 70s. At that point, whenever it was. straight, Cal. I'm sorry. <laughs> we need a fact checker. Um, flying was a sort of elite activity. Mm-hmm. And so they came out saying, our cause is being the champion for the common man. We are going to make this simple. We're going to make it fun. We're so going to make it easy. did they start like sweatpants travel? They is probably that did. They probably yeah. took all the fancy dress out of um, I'm, the I do flight attendants. A little. I'm sorry about but that. But they're so happy. Mm. You know, and they made two price categories. Any like that was all they did, and their tagline was it was something like "You're now free to move about the country." Mm-hmm. And and he pointed out that that's more than a tagline. It's a cause, and it's a cause that's looking for followers. Mm-hmm. Do we have a good example of how we can do that with our kids? Just like we were talking about before, but like connecting to a cause with our kids. Yeah, I mean, I think anything. Something that I've been working on a lot is when I'm need to engage their cooperation with something. Like the plant thing, sort like of. Like the plant thing. Or even just, we're going to visit grandma and grandpa. Um, and you you get to realize where the resistances are going to be. And then you can be like, okay, I need to build a cause around this. Mm-hmm. Because that could create a follower instead of a manipulated, angry child. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so I remember with grandma and grandpas, you had yeah, your daughter. We were, and- we were walking there from the store, and I... All of a sudden, realized that I hadn't said anything to her except, and we're going to go say hi to Grandma and Grandpa before we go to the park because they live right by one. And and she said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to see them. I don't want to. I think she said something like, I don't want to see stupid Grandma and Grandpa. I want to go to the park. And I was like, Well, that's not going to fly when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> she says something like that to them. But I mean, this is not her being resistant and negative and these things, you realized no, it, she didn't have the cause. It, she, it could have gotten to that if I'd just been like, well, we're going and mm-hmm. just kept walking. But that was a ding ding for you. Oh, Wait sure. a second. This I have not spread the cause. I have not communicated the why. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have not elicited her, you know, buy-in. Yeah. So what, yeah. what's the ideal that I should have said? Because I probably didn't do it as well as, as you I, would have. I don't know. I would have said something like, after we finish our juice or whatever at Whole Foods, um, we're going to walk over to Grandma and Grandpa. When was the last time we saw Grandma and Grandpa? They told me the other day on the phone that they really miss you guys because did you know that at the assisted living place, they never see any kids? It's all people over 60, like older adults. Mm -hmm. They never see kids. What do you think they're going to do when they see you? Are they going to smile? Are they going to freak out? I ended up building. I love that. I think I said something like a personal sell, which was, I love going to grandma and grandpa's Mm -hmm. to visit them because walking into it, I feel like a little girl visiting them in their house in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And now you get to be that little girl walking in there and I get to hold your hand through it. Isn't that weird? And she was like, yeah, that's weird. But I was so enchanted thinking about it that way. And I think she could tell. Yeah. So I think she became hopefully inspired enough to walk in. That's another way to get buy-in. Yeah. You know, or you appeal to someone else's excitement about seeing them. There's so many different things you can do to build that context. Another good example of that too is often... In terms of motivating, when we need those moments and we Mm -hmm. decide instead of, okay, we need to motivate and we say, okay, that means we need to connect. Because other times that we've tried to motivate, well, you could say, if we go to grandma and grandpa's, then I'll get you a cupcake after. Mm -hmm. Or if we don't go to grandma and grandpa's, then we're not going to the park. Yeah. Those are two very normal control-based techniques we use to motivate our kids. Totally. I was segueing into a different point. Okay. That's okay. So, well, Simon sort of talks about how how a leader sort of looks and sounds, and he uses Bill Gates Mm -hmm. as an example. And I can't remember who the counterexample was. Um, Also a computer guy when he comes to these big... A dud, obviously. No, he's not a dud. The other guy was like so energetic Mm. and exciting and working the crowd up and getting everyone going. And he talked about basically energy versus charisma to inspire and how Mm. Bill Gates came on stage and he's like a super nerd and he's really quiet and everyone's just hanging on every fucking word he says. Mm. And how 
energy excites, but charisma inspires. So when you're trying to get your daughter to want to come with you to see grandma and grandpa, I think being this like cheerleader, like, we're going to go, it's going to be so great, yeah. trying to convince. Or times we've done that mm-hmm. too, being like, time to get in the bath, okay? Like, that's that's using energy to excite. And Which that doesn't excite, always work. Excitement doesn't last. Inspiration lasts. Right. So, yeah. But using charisma inspires. It has nothing to do with energy. And it actually comes from a clarity of why. And that's how... And it comes from a <clears throat> connection. Right. Charisma comes from connection. You connect about mm-hmm. your why. Right. And so that's what storytelling is. That's what explaining the bigger picture and the context of why grandma and grandpa would be happy to see them. And you maybe throw something in there like, and maybe they'll have cookies. I'm not sure. <laughs> But, you know, if you really need to, but... Or something to look forward to, like, remember that big water pitcher with the strawberries in it? We, right. we could in stop the lobby? there on the way. Should we stop yeah. there on the That's way? That's not an incentive. No, That's but just we, we just plant those. Enticement. <laughs> we plant it's, them in. It's reminding them that there are cool things ahead. Sure, sure. Yeah. Buy in, baby. Okay. And then I think there were a couple of good things that he talked about just that made me think about our innovate power. Okay. So after we've respected, we've connected. Sure. How else can we innovate in a leadership way with our kids? Let me see. I'm not sure if I had an actual quote for it or what. Uh, oh, yeah. Here. Let me see. Page 99. Thanks for hanging in there, everybody. You need a bookmark. I know. And a highlighter. Mm-hmm. Once I get to the page, I don't even know where, where to go. So inefficient. I know. So he talks about innovation happening at the edges, mm. which really intrigued me. Yeah. So he says, the role of a leader is not to come up with all the great ideas. The role of a leader is to create an environment in which great ideas can happen. It is the people inside the company, those on the front lines who are best qualified to find the new ways of doing things. Mm. And yeah, our innovate step is all about this idea that parenting and our family can be collaborative and that we don't have to have all the answers and do all the stuff. That's what makes us feel resentful and pissed Mm -hmm. and tired. And when we can think that, hey, we've we've respected here, hey, we've connected, now we get to innovate and involve our kids in, and I think that requires the belief though that they have something to give Mm -hmm. and that involving them has has value and merit. And it's going to help. Yeah. yeah. I think involving the, our kids sometimes, you're like, God, why would I involve them? That sounds incredibly They're just complicated. Fuck it up. Yeah. yeah, totally. But I think it is a huge, like you said, pressure remover. It just mm-hmm. takes the pressure off fixing things or being the one that's always looked to to decide everything, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of bringing everyone into the fold and doing it together and saying that, you know, you're creating an environment to help ideas happen instead of coming up with them on your own kind of elevates everybody. Well, and I think we can think of this from a very concrete standpoint of like, I know that doing the laundry or the dishes or making dinner myself would be way faster and more efficient, but I want to have an innovative family and be building skills with my kids. So I'm going to involve them to collaborate with me sooner so they can be learning those skills. We can be Built, or in the more difficult times, like during diaper resistance or when mm-hmm. your kids don't want to put their clothes on or they don't want to clean up, doing those things with them, help saying, you know, eliciting mm-hmm. cooperation. Can you pull the, the Velcro of the diaper and put it mm-hmm. on? Can you help me stick your leg through this pant or jump in or do it in a silly way or let's clean up timing yeah. ourselves? I mean, the theme or, we're talking about is this side-by-side parenting we talk about instead of us against them. Us against them, it puts us in that hierarchical order again. I have all the answers. I know what to do. You follow what I say. And when we're parenting side by side, when we're working with instead of doing to our kids, like we can avoid a lot of problems and we can be building their skills mm-hmm. so that they can be doing those things themselves someday, which it, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. But it does feel like it takes a lot of effort. Again, it takes more time in the short term, but his idea, Simon's, is that it, it pays off in the long term. Sure. Yeah. And he says, he sort of alluded to the idea, too, that we can give our kids things to work on, like which is kind of like a short-term mm-hmm. thing, or we can give our kids something to work toward. So just, mm-hmm. just thinking about things in these more long-term, fluid ways, whether it's, okay, here's a rag, like I, we did a clean, cleaning party yesterday, Here's a rag and work on cleaning this stool so that so that it's a little bit better than it was before. Not mm-hmm. make sure this stool is clean in a short of sort of like short fixed 
So it's not something for them to work on. It's something them to, for them to work towards. It's about the process. Well, and just thinking of their development in that way, too, mm-hmm. that they're working toward these skills. We don't have to expect them to right. have so them down patience, right away. Not, you need to work on your patience, kid. Or you're working towards being a more patient person every day, all mm-hmm. the time, over years, Again, aren't we that all? fixed versus growth mindset kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, know. totally. Just kind of playing the long game there. What else? Hmm. Did you want to talk about the kind of the how stuff a little bit? I don't know. Well, I think one thing I did want to talk about was the three, the golden circle he talked about. So why is in the middle, how is in the center, and what is on the outside? And just thinking about how that's representing in his his mind a whole organization or company. Mm -hmm. So the CEO, who is the why, is in charge of the beliefs, the why, the values, all those things. And then a tier down from that is how, which is the senior executives. So they're the ones building the infrastructure to make the why tangible. Mm -hmm. And then the outer ring or the bottom level is the what. So that's the employees where the rubber meets the road. And in this case, in parenting, we are all three. Mm -hmm. We have to be all three, you know, and that's, well, and that's I, a big, it's a big one. But I like that we that you're thinking of that as in we're not just the execs with the values. Mm-hmm. We also have to work on and engage with the how. We also have to engage with the what. We have to and do a lot of we the have what. to because yeah. we have that why. It's our responsibility to integrate that into the how and the what. And you know we're representing the whole family. And I, I love that idea because modeling this this integrated, you know, why to how to what. Um, models that for our kids so that they can begin taking on their own projects and adventures if we're allowing them their own why Mm -hmm. and exploring why with them. I think it's so easy. I mean, like middle age for people to be like, I don't know my why. I don't know my why in my business or my life or my relationships. And like, I have to guess that maybe they weren't given, maybe we all weren't given enough of an opportunity to engage with the why at a young age. I wish that I had thought more about why I wanted to go to college. Mm-hmm. I think if I had thought about it, I probably wouldn't have gone or I would have gone to a different college or I would have not played mm-hmm. sports or whatever. But mm-hmm. Or that haircut a couple of years ago. I Just love kidding. that haircut, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think... Hmm. Oh, I was going to say something and now I can't remember. But that we're all three of those things and that our hopefully we're helping our kids to become all three of those things. Yeah, These but, are not fixed but traits. But maybe just thinking know. of those in terms, he doesn't really talk about them in terms of steps, but maybe that could be an, a nice thing to think of when we're when we come into conflict a little bit with our kid and we know that we need to be talking a little bit more in context and explaining the why a little bit. Can we structure that conversationally to say, here's why I'm thinking that we, or like we say, can I tell you why? Mm-hmm. So we we build a little bit of the context. Then we say, so to do that, here's how we would do it. Mm-hmm. And then we say, okay, so let's go get With those the shoes on or mm-hmm. whatever the thing is. So thinking about that as in sort of an order of events could be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Okay, trust. Our fourth power that we can Just be using. Like the main power, but yeah. Over control. Instead of uh, flying old school. Yeah, he basically just talks about trust in the, in the same way as loyalty being in that the relationship is more important than immediate skills, like mm-hmm. we talk about all the time with our kids. Yeah. Let me see if I can find a couple little little quotes here. Trust is a remarkable thing. Trust allows us to rely on others, and we rely on those we trust for advice to help us make decisions. Trust is the bedrock for the advancement of our own lives, our families, our companies, our societies, and our species. And then he talks about how historically trust has played a bigger role in advancing companies and societies than skill set alone. Like the couple leaving their children while they go out on a date for the evening, groups from within a society would go off with confidence, knowing that their homes and families were safe upon return. If there was no trust, no one would take risks. No risks would mean no exploration, no experimentation, and no advancement of the society as a whole. That's a remarkable concept. Only when individuals can trust the culture or organization will they take personal risks in order to advance that culture or organization as a whole. Mm-hmm. For no other reason than that in the end, it's for their own personal health and survival. Absolutely. I mean, um, child development research shows that kids who are living in families that 
um, cause them to feel unsafe or unstable. Um, they are unable to learn because they're in survival mode, thinking about just how to get from day to day, how to get from minute to minute, meal to meal, whatever it is. And when you're doing that, you can't focus on being creative. You can't focus on being innovative. You can't think about other people or learn emotional skills or social skills or other cognitive skills. Mm -hmm. You're in bare bone instinct drive survival. Or even if you're not in bare bone instinct survival mode, if you're just being controlled by your parents and everything you're doing, Mm -hmm. you aren't as prone to take those risks, Mm -hmm. um, take those leaps, uh, experiment and and do things that interest you personally. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's so easy for us as parents. I think that we think that trusting is... um, is risky. We think that trusting is limiting and that controlling is more um, productive and and active. But what Simon, it seems, is saying is saying it's the opposite. Control limits and trust moves forward, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But you and I talk about that with with our development of kids too, where, for example, on the playground, um, trusting in our kids' development, their own physical development, letting them you know, trying to control as little as we can of their exploration, they'll learn so much more. They'll take some risks. They'll fall a little. They'll learn, and they'll actually be able to work out on the playground way better than if we'd been controlling every step. Or I think about it know. every time I'm watching one of my kids do an art project, whether they're mm-hmm. drawing or building something. God, I want to get in there and, and help <laughs> them Like be like, this would be a little easier if you use the toothpick like that to do whatever. Or have you tried getting it a little wetter? Mm-hmm. Or... Oh, I want. I always want to say that stuff, mm-hmm. and and then I think that's just my opinion. She or he, they're figuring out their own way to do it, and mm-hmm. I, I have to remind myself that that is better because it's their process. Well, you're trusting in them, and that's allowing them to trust in themselves, and that's what we want to be doing. We don't want to be undermining that. No, we don't want them to have to look to us for everything. Yeah, he says too that trust is the root of passion, mm. but that's what it makes me think of seeing mm-hmm. seeing my kids passionately making art or climbing, doing crazy stuff on the on the playground is it, it gives them this sense of passion, mm-hmm. this freedom. You know, he says, passion comes from the feeling like you are part of something that you believe in, something bigger than yourself. If people do not trust that a company is organized to advance the why, then the passion is diluted. Without managed trust, people will show up to do their jobs and they will worry primarily about themselves. This is a cool part too. Mm. This is the root of office politics. People acting within the system for self-gain, often at the expense of others, even the company. If a company doesn't manage trust, then those working for it will not trust the company and self-interest becomes the overwhelming motivation. This may be good for short term, but over time the organization will get weaker and weaker. So again, we're exploring this idea that when we control instead of trust, well, when we control, we undermine trust. When we control our kids with, you know, taking something away, we lead them to be scared of what they're going to lose, focusing again on what they're losing, what's in it, what's happening to me. It kind of leads them to be more self-centered. When we offer an incentive, like, well, if you do this, then I'll give you this, mm-hmm. um, then that's a, also the same. It's just the flip side of what's in it for me. What's going to happen to me or what's, you know, what's in it good for me? But both of those things are self-centered. They're not building skills. They're not building a connection to others. They're not building an understanding of their why. Um, yeah, but I think yeah. it's interesting. And they're not trusting you. When, when we talk about control, you your big thing is about sort of incentives and consequences mm-hmm. and those kind of more extreme ways to do it. And when I think about control, I think more about like the art project, just over, over chiming con- in, over judging, controlling mm-hmm. all the middle stuff, and 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 I have to work constantly to be looking at everything I say or do, and not in a stressed out way, but in a very calm, reflective way. As am I over controlling? Is this mine to judge? Is this mine to? pop in on. Mm-hmm. And we've had talks with some of our friends recently about that because their kids are finally coming back and saying, I don't need your opinion right now. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a really good reminder. But it, it, with kids that who are, are younger, younger, they don't do that we as have, much. We have so and are much we, are power. We, are we taking away their passion? Are we inhibiting it Inhibiting somehow. them, you know, yeah. and, and are we having, are we turning their attention from what they're doing to us and mm-hmm. then to themselves about what they get from our reaction. If if you're judging their artwork, then they feel maybe that they can't trust what they'd been working on. If you have a judgment that they should do something different. 
Um, and then, so I think it's, your example is about trusting themselves. Mm-hmm. And then my example is more about trusting us as their leader. Mm-hmm. It, it undermines their trust in us when we use incentives and consequences. And it undermines their trust in themselves when we judge and label and kind of over control in little ways. Totally. And that's all such natural stuff that we're doing. And I just, I love that we're able to explore this in a business context to be like, this isn't great for businesses. This yeah, isn't there's great for so families. Many, I barely even touched on all, all of his business examples and leadership mm-hmm. examples are so rich. Mm-hmm. It could have taken up the entire time to tell all the stories from it. So we kept it pretty quick on those. But so if we're not controlling, if we're trying to trust, if we're trying to lead with passion, you know, how do we do that? Yeah. And, and, and why? I think we're kind of getting into that why because it's effective, because it feels good, because we're creating real buy-in, because we're creating deeper understanding. Creating trust in themselves and trust in us. Yeah, and connection to their why, which Mm -hmm. is such a big deal. So I think the last quote that I'm going to read before we wrap up is a big one, and part of it is because this was MLK Week and we couldn't uh, post this episode on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, So we're going to do it today anyway, but... Let me see. Oh, other than Steve Jobs and <clears throat> the Wright brothers and Southwest, he has so many good examples, but Martin Luther King came up many times mm-hmm. as a positive you know, leader who inspires for obvious reasons um, because he could put his why into words to inspire. So I'm going to read. <clears throat> it's a pretty long quote. And if I end up having to cough, I'll just pass it to Hannah. She can finish reading. Do you want to read it, Hannah? Why don't you read it? Okay. Yeah, I haven't I'm, read it yet. I'm going to drink my I soda. Like reading something so for the first time out loud. Here we go. There are two types of laws he shared. Oh, this is, did you say who it was? Did I say that? Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are two types of laws he shared. Those that are just and those that are unjust. A just law, Dr. King expounded, is a man-made code that squares with the moral law. An unjust law is a code that is out of harmony with the moral law. Any law that uplifts the human personality is just. Any law that degrades human personality is unjust. All segregation statutes are unjust because segregation distorts the soul and damages the personality. His belief was bigger than the civil rights movement. It was about all of the man- all of mankind and how we treat each other. Of course, his why developed as a result of the time and place in which he was born and the color of his skin. But the civil rights movement served as an ideal platform for Dr. King to bring his why, his belief in equality, to life. People heard his beliefs, and his words touched them deeply inside. Those who believed what he believed took that cause and made it their own. And they told people what they believed. And those people told people what they believed. Some organized to get that belief out more efficiently. And in the summer of 63, a quarter of a million people showed up to hear Dr. King deliver his I Have a Dream speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. But how many people showed up for for Dr. King? Zero. They showed up for themselves. Mm. It was what they believed. It was what they saw as an opportunity to help America become a better version of itself. It was they who wanted to live in a country that reflected their own values and beliefs that inspired them to get on a bus to travel for eight hours to stand in the Washington sun in the middle of August to hear Dr. King speak. Being in Washington was simply one of the things they did to prove what they believed. Showing up that day was one of the what's to their own why. This was a cause, and it was their cause. Dr. King's speech itself served as a visceral reminder. I gotta breathe of the believed <laughs> belief shared by everyone who stood there listening. And that speech was about what he believed, not how they were gonna do it. He gave the I have a dream speech, not the I have a plan speech. Mm. It was a statement of purpose and not a comprehensive 12-point plan to achieving civil rights in America. Dr. King offered America a place to go, not a plan to follow. The plan had its place, but not on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Dr. King's articulation of his belief was something powerful enough to rally those who shared that belief, even if they weren't personally affected by the inequalities. Nearly half or nearly a quarter of the people who came to the rally that day were white. This was a belief not about black America. This was a belief about a shared America. Dr. King was the leader of a cause, a cause for all those who believed what he believed, regardless of skin color. It wasn't the details of his plan that earned him the right to lead. It was what he believed and his ability to communicate it clearly that that people followed. In essence, he, like all great leaders, became the symbol of the belief. 
Dr. King came to personify the cause. To this day, we build statues of him to keep that belief alive and tangible. People followed him not because of his idea of a changed America. People followed him because of their idea of a changed America. The part of the brain that influences our behavior and decisions does not have the capacity for language. We have trouble saying clearly, in emotional terms, why we do what we do, and offer rationalizations that, though valid and true, are not powerful enough to inspire others. So when asked why they showed up that day, people pointed to Dr. King and said simply, because I believe. More than anything else, what Martin Luther King Jr. gave us was clarity, a way to explain how we felt. He gave us the words that inspired us. He gave us something to believe in, something we could easily share with our friends. Everyone at the mall that day shared a set of values and beliefs. And everyone there that day, regardless of skin color or race or sex, trusted each other. It was that trust, that common bond, that shared belief that fueled a movement that would change a nation. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Why do we believe what we do? Let's keep asking and keep bravely leading through respect, connection, innovation, and trust with our kids. Instead of control. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. I want us to bring the, like, I have a dream into our homes, you know, to look courageously for our why so that we can personify that cause every day in every interaction with our kids. And in the hope of having a more united home, you Mm -hmm. know, united by a, a cause, whatever that is. And to raise a kid that feels the freedom to pursue their own. I love that. Visit startwithwhy.com to learn more about Simon or see what he's up to on Twitter at Simon Sinek. And lastly, our affirmation to you. You're doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. We're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another. Thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time.